0: Let's <laughs> everyone to the only podcast where we think watching movies over 90 minutes is a bourgeois affect of the uh of those with too much time you know professional managerial class just oh, like man. us um yeah we've had uh <laughs> you. We've,
1: speaking truth to power yeah we've, we've had <laughs> these liberal critics they all go crazy for the irishman but working people they can only watch We now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, the cut where they just put in gay jokes, super cut on, on, um, our, (laughs) on our, uh, YouTube channel available.
0: Yeah. And we, we milk this podcast for all it's worth. You know, the cream, when we talk, the cream does rise to the top because we keep it under the length of what a movie should be. That's right. We've never recorded an episode longer than 90 minutes. Um, not true. You get the cow puns, everyone. uh Do you do you see what we're getting at? That's yeah. right. Hidden <laughs> <I'm> uh, genius. <laughs> ten
1: <laughs> ten <laughs> Easter eggs you missed in this yeah. week's episode of Kino Left. Um.
0: Yeah. Uh. I'm Abdul at Socialist Raptor at very tired actually. But yeah.
1: I'm uh at underscore Saturn Return. I'm Laura and I'm fucking hyped, boys.
2: I am Evan at McDonald tweets. Uh. You know what? I'll say it. I'm hyped. I wasn't hyped before, but I'm hyped now. We watched the latest A24 movie, so you know people are tweeting about it. Uh, We watched First Cow, First Cow, and I got to say my favorite thing about First Cow was the poster. It's a great poster. (laughs) It is a cow on a river with big yellow text that says First Cow. Um, So I half paid attention to this movie. God damn it. I tried my best. Uh, Who knows what First Cow was about?
0: First, First cow, cow is about a Chinaman and <laughs> a start white on the man. wrong foot already. <laughs> no. uh, uh, First cow uh,
1: is about a frontier town in uh, the, the Oregon Trail uh, in the late uh, 1700s, I think 1790, and uh, it's about this cook who used to be an indentured servant who meets up with a Chinese migrant who uh was on the run from gangsters and they form a friendship that gets rekindled when they both end up in the same settlement um they start to kind of they're they're homies they vibe they just simply chill together and then they concoct this um plan because the rich guy uh in the town has imported the first cow see there it is (laughs) first cow that's ever been in the in the region brings it in they start to steal the milk and then produce these uh, baked goods that everyone goes absolutely crazy for. um, And they make a bunch of money from it. And they're just dreaming of this future where they're going to go down to San Francisco and uh, open up a hotel. And uh, through the course of the movie, the, I don't know what the rich guy's title was some British fancy lad. He invites them over um, to, to bake. And then, you know the ruse is discovered that they're stealing from this cow. They have to run off, and uh, they the the two homies are two homies, die in each other's arms, trying to get away.
0: Yeah, they uh, they really um, milked a bad situation for whatever it was worth, mm. and I found their relationship quite amusing um is this
2: the whole episode or
0: this might be this might be the whole episode we'll be we'll be grazing on these puns uh you know for the next uh, hour or so what does
1: grazing on a pun mean
0: like we'll be we'll be nibbling these delicious puns we're
1: gonna be eating the puns and then moving them from stuff our many stomachs the three yeah. stomachs that we have together
0: it is it is definitely past your bedtime, so um that, not past my bedtime. So I, I don't I'm an old man in the frontier. Um yeah, Kelly Kelly Richard, who's the director of this movie, has been known to make uh, I think the the critics love using the word contemplative when they think a movie should be good, but it's actually really boring. Um ponderous one might say yeah, yeah ponderous contemplative slow ella uh, elegiac or whatever I don't Tarkovsky-esque. know Tarkovsky-esque yeah tar- <laughs> you know there are filmmakers that earn I think the length of their movies Tarkovsky yes. is one of them Bella Tarr is another um I'm trying to think of female filmmakers so I don't sound like a piece of shit but you know Agnes Varda never made a movie over two hours so whatever Queen. um because like, women the, know, win- <laughs> their attention spans are so small. I know, Jesus. women have to be
1: shopping, you they know? can't be directing for that long.
2: No comment. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, like, the whole concept of slow cinema, like, obviously there are people who do it well, like, Andre Tarkovsky, rest in peace, King, uh, you shouldn't have shot Stalker, you're all that industrial waste, but uh, like, because it's like, it's trying to convey, you know themes moods like you know the point vibes. of the film vibes stalker solaris vibes films um but uh <laughs> like with movies like this it's like no it's just like dull it's it's like it, it fits into kind of like a genre of like prestige a24 like elevated genre film where it's like ah, uh, contemplate the the undergrowth of the forest and i'm like Yes. Okay. I've done it. I don't care anymore. This isn't connected to the story you're telling. And there's nothing happening in the frame, right? It's- I mean, it's,
1: it's no midsummer. I'll give you that. But no. I don't, I think that I liked it more than both of you guys, which is an extremely rare phenomenon um, because it is like, it is very slow, uh, very slow. But there are like moments in it that are really, really nice. Like I was talking about how, you know, this, they shoot this cow that comes out like the filmmaker shoots the cow that's like moving and something kind of like strange and wonderful and beauty be- beautiful which i really liked every shot with the cow is like love this cow big fan of mm-hmm. this jersey cow absolutely beautiful big lashes um and then like the the conversations that cookie has with one of the one of the guys one of the one of the homies um has with the cow a really beautiful like very human so those you know the experience of watching the movie. I was like, "All right, let's, let's, let's see some action. Like, I want to see some muskets going off." But um, after it, what I'm left with is like kind of like an impressionist painting of um, some guys dudes being pals, which is nice.
0: I got like a real deja vu from this film oh. um, because All right. watching That's <laughs> <laughs> watching like this and thinking about Meeks Cutoff, which was another uh, Kelly Richart film. Hold um, on. A moratorium. A moratorium. <laughs> oh, yes, okay. yeah. We're a moratorium on these jokes. I will I will uh I will never stop. This episode is going to be utterly problematic um <laughs> with cow puns, you know. And uh but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, we'll be we'll be good. It'll be nice. Um It's going to be full of a lot of bull, folks. Uh okay but uh um we're gonna have real beef when this is done all right Um, so anyway anyway
2: uh uh, i think my i i definitely didn't give this movie you know as fair as fair a shake as perhaps i wanted to like this is definitely a movie i would watch again because like you know like the process of watching it i'm like obviously there's a lot of stuff i liked there's a lot of scenes that i really appreciated i love the character dynamic i thought the performances were really great um but like this is definitely not a movie that you can watch in the background while you're doing work emails and talking to your partner about plans for the week and stuff like that and checking back in and looking like, oh, they're at a house or something. Okay, having okay. a
1: partner flex. Sorry,
2: sorry, uh, I have a perfect <laughs> life. Apologies. But um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I definitely, like, missed something from the movie. I, I was hoping to have an experience similar to... Uh, the one that I had from a recent watch I had, another A24 movie, uh, Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir, which uh, during, like, the process of watching it, I was like, I don't know, this kind of feels like maybe it's a little dull, like, I'm not sure what's going on, but it has this, like, cumulative effect of, like, capturing this relationship and, like, its highs and lows, and it ends on such, like, a strong note and, like, these beautiful shots that's, like, they're so thematic of, like, It captures the entire story that the movie was trying to tell. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Like, this is doing exactly what this movie was setting out to do. Um, I feel like I've seen versions of First Cow before and like, you know, movies that are trying to capture this aesthetic about frontier life, um, these kinds of points about like living on the edge of society, um, scrambling for resources, um, like, you know, income disparity. I think this movie does it well, but I I wasn't I wasn't as gripped by it as I would have liked to have been, but I would definitely watch mm-hmm. it again especially for the cow.
0: Um yeah, like that's sort of the issue with the film I think as it relates to genre where you know, I think a film like Portrait Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a slow film of mm-hmm. people walking around a lot um on beaches, but it does add up to this like cumulative release at the end, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm the frontier drama when taken like on its face and not as like a a western you know with the imagery and style and like explosiveness of a western film like Sergio Leone's um Once Upon a Time in the West is like three hours and 20 minutes right like that's it does not feel that long it's so fucking good but like this felt glacial because that's what life in the west is and like I, I like the themes I appreciate what they were doing but you can't like remix i think or or try to like go true to life on a western film and and make it really good like meek's cut off is another film by the same director that has the same issue where it's like all right we get it the old west suck (laughs) yeah like it's just two and a half hours of just like people riding around in wagons being sad and scared that you know the natives might attack them it's like this does not like, I get what you're doing. This just does not make a compelling piece of media, even though it's very thematically strong. Like, this this film does, tries to do what Deadwood did when it talks about capitalism and does it worse, right? In less time.
1: I haven't watched Deadwood. Is it is it worth uh, getting into?
0: Deadwood is an extremely incredible show that I had to start like I had to start it four or five times before I could watch it all the way through like the first two or three episodes did not hook me but like when you get into it you really get into it like when I did start watching it I finished it in like three weeks um but yeah Deadwood is incredible
2: I watched the first episode of Deadwood but uh haven't revisited it but yeah it's it's good I mean (laughs) yeah like and and yeah First Cow I think it's definitely worth checking out but like I don't know, I wasn't in the right headspace for it, and I I feel bad, but, like, I'm not feeling kind of the same draw to certain movies where, like, you know, I I can feel like something was wrong in my viewing experience, I'm like, you know what, I have to watch that again, like, I had that with The Last Jedi, like, I watched it in theaters, and I was like, I wasn't super into it, but I could list you, like, 20 things I really loved about it, so then it's like, I have to watch it again, and I loved it the second time, so maybe I'll do it with first cow because yeah the cow was very pretty um, I liked all the cooking shots uh, I really love the scene when um, the guys are cooking their like little cakes and like there's the mm-hmm. lineup and then the rich guy that they're stealing the milk from stealing in air quotes redistributing the, the dairy um, r- r- yeah I was trying to make a pun but then I thought better of it um, that was a <laughs> tense scene like all this I think all the scenes are very well constructed like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with First Cow to me. It's just kind of like, oh, it's, it's fucking at the, long.
1: At the heart of it, it's a vibes movie. And if your vibes aren't aligning, you it's it's not going to be good for you. But yes. I'm interested because you both were bringing up kind of this, like, semiotic of the Western film and how, um, like, A24 is kind of doing this elevated take on the Western and um, kind of bringing, like, quote-unquote, like, bringing this form to new heights. And this kind of also goes hand in hand with the critical reception to it because after I was done I didn't quite know what to think uh, what to make of it so I was just doing some reading after and the critics are like wet and hard for this movie right they're mm-hmm. like this is the best movie of the year so far Da which like I don't agree with I don't I don't I can't think of off the top of my head which movies I am more into but I just did not I would not have put this in my top So I'm just kind of interested in what you guys have to to say about this, um, like idea of the elevated uh, Western.
0: I mean, it's the thing with this movie is that it's like, it's thematics are really subtle, but they're also really clear. Like it is like an engaging sort of vehicle for ideas. And again, it's very easy to appreciate what Kelly is doing here. Right. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. that's a big part of it. I feel like a, this is one of the rare occasions where I would have liked the movie more categorically if I saw it in a theater, just like sort of getting lost in it um, a bit and stuff like that. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like, this is my issue with her as a director the entire time she's been directing is her films inexplicably get huge critical response, but I don't think I've met a single person in real life who likes her movies. (laughs) Like, I don't know a single person who liked Meek's Cutoff. I don't know a single person other than me who saw certain women. Um, I don't know anyone who had, like, a, a strong response to uh, First Cow um, other than, like, yeah, it was good. It was, it was a good movie. I, not great, not bad, good movie, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's like she's, like, I don't know. It's like she's got dirt on every film critic or something <laughs> like that. It's like the fucking Jelaine of cinema.
2: <laughs> she's got a dead man
0: switch. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because like, obviously like genres, this whole conception of like, uh, we're in this time where like genres are elevated, like horror, like the Western, it's obviously not true because like the best versions, most of the time, the best versions of these movies have already been made. And like, they're, these films, like even when they're doing like, you know, B level stuff, they're already like. Some of them are masterfully done, right? Like, I mean, my favorite Western of all time is uh, For a Few Dollars More, like the second film in the Man With No Name trilogy. And like, it is not attempting a bold, (laughs) like thematic uh, statement about like life in the West. It is a movie about two badass guys who each shoot their own hats off at one point who have to fight a worse guy who's like a a villain. And it's cool. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. And even, like, horror films. Like, The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby and, like, The Shining already exist. Right? So, it's, like, you you can't claim, like, oh, and Psycho. And you can't just go, like, ah, oh, like, this A24 film that came out in 2016 is the first horror film that's, like, wow, we're really going to look at horror. Right? And it's the same kind of thing with, like, these movies. Like, mm-hmm. it, it and it projects this, like, past onto films that have already come out as if they don't have anything interesting to say about like the context of the kind of film they're making. Like uh, I think the searchers is an interesting example in this case. I couldn't finish the searchers the first time I watched it. John Ford film, John Wayne. Um, Cause it's super racist. <laughs> like a lot of Westerns are right. Like there's just like a, a montage of indigenous people being slaughtered by John Wayne. And I had to turn it off. I was like, I can't fucking do this right now. But like, they're also conscious choices that these movies are making. And obviously like the ending is very famous and it's like, Oh, this important statement or whatever. So I don't know. I I don't want to say that. Like I no, I will say it. I think a lot of film culture is kind of trapped within like the last like four years. Those are the movies that people can remember. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love a lot of recent movies. Some of them are my favorites, but like films have been made for a very long time. So I don't know. And I think like audiences are conditioned to uh, perceive a certain aesthetic that a film captures. I think first cow is emblematic of that, where uh, I mean it's it's not shot uh, like in a standard format. The colors are very muted. It's very quote unquote realistic. Um, and you know the way that the camera you know uses its focus, um, it like conveys a certain message about the kind of movie you're watching. It's like, oh, this is a art house film. I am being catered to. Um, but then I think about, like, uh, another uh, art house film. Uh, what was that super cool, like, Chinese organized crime movie that we saw, Abdul? Um, I'm trying to remember. Touch of Sin?
0: No, no. It, was, <laughs> it was by
2: the director. Ashes, is white. Ashes, is white. That movie absolutely fucking rules, right? And, like, it is, like, you know, an independent film or whatever, but, like, it doesn't have the same kind of, like, aesthetic that you see in a lot of western films that are like attempting importance like they understand like the importance of like a frame (laughs) like for for instance right you can operate on a grand scale and like that's not a bad thing right like i i like some of the the elements of the intimacy of this movie right like obviously they're buddies and like you get to see like very specific actions like taken in like deep consideration like the cooking and like how the the cakes are frying and everything. I really like those shots or like, you know, the living spaces of these characters, but ultimately, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't very engaged, but I I do think you're right, Laura. It is, is more of like a tone piece than anything. Um, I think it, I think it achieves what it set out to do, but ultimately the mission of it, I'm like, I, I don't
0: care. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, The film and critics also ignore the fact that the Western has already been elevated probably to the highest heights it will ever be, Um, like both through like you were saying, historical film like, you know, Sergio Leone stuff um, but also as recently as like The Assassination of Jesse James which is a film that like within its two hour and 40 minute runtime contains like an unbelievable amount of, of subtext plot themes and like you know this idea of like camaraderie and relationship that film like first cow takes on and it does so in in a marginally more explicit way but like it's also just that thing of like just because a movie is slow and made by a critically acclaimed director it doesn't have to be good um you know jesse james is a good example of this was made by basically a no one who uh just sort of came out made two amazing films and then disappeared forever um, and stuff like that. And it's like when you when you look at first cow, it's like, you know where this film would be great, Projected onto like the wall of a bar somewhere, um, you know, with like a musical score and just subtitles. Uh, like a man in the corner playing piano over it and subtitles, um, you know, instead of like spoken dialogue. That's where I would like probably enjoy watching this the most. Like it's concept of like, slow imagery is is very mellow like an opium den would be a great place to watch (laughs) (laughs) a hookah bar
1: a hookah bar yeah um i disagree with that uh characterization somewhat i think that like i agree that um like i agree with what you're saying in principle i also think that there's something that's very effective about the smallness of some stories and what they can contain like we were obviously, this is not the same kind of movie at all. But um, when we were talking about uh, Do the Right Thing, I think that you had a story there that was like a very tiny, like microcosm of these much larger things. And and Spike Lee kind of does it through a theater style, whereas this is more like, like you said, Evan, like a Tom Palm style of like, exploring this very small, um, this very small uh, uh, story to explore avenues that are huge, like, you know the idea of um survival under capitalism and the birth of capitalism and the birth of inequality so um i think that i think that it's not you know a background piece you know i don't think it's like elevator music i i think that it's just like it's it's vibes uh, it's, i'm sorry i can't say anything more insightful than that but it's definitely just a vibes film to me
0: it's like it's iconography as a, as a Western you know, it's it's a brave choice. I think that's the best thing I can personally say about it is, like, I appreciate every choice that was made in it, even though it, like, collectively added up to nothing for me. Um, a lot of people, um, people are saying uh, that this film more and is more. more and more every day. Um, you know, people are, <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of a cow no. <laughs> um, uh, More like, and more
2: know, people <laughs> are utterly fascinated yeah. by this film. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is the lowest uh,
2: reviewed episode of the podcast. No one listens to it. Last cow, more like last cow. Worst cow. That's
0: how. That's how we're gonna feel. End up feeling seen but not heard. Um, oh, that was okay. Yeah. The uh, the more and more people are saying every day that the film is a critique of capitalism, um, which I think is a really interesting approach to it. And like you know, the emergence of capitalism on the frontier, which is something that Deadwood explores. I think again. Much better than this, uh not because it was made by a man, but because uh Deadwood is That's just exactly a better why. show. Yep. Um again, utterly problematic. It's here uh, for men. Um
1: <laughs> Dudes do in fact rock on the frontier and behind the camera. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 This that's
2: film is so just send, a, <laughs> send in the dudes.
0: Yeah, two <laughs> two bros two bros, you know, cuddling each other. This film's like masculinity is very nice, I will say but that.
1: We're, we're gonna get into that with mm-hmm. our friend Armand White.
0: Yeah, um, but like, yeah, like I think that's a really interesting take on it because it is like very demonstrative of the way that like frontier expansion was tied to capitalism. Like it's not you know, I know it. it's, like, a very obviously, like, Pax Americana, like, Manifest Destiny idea. Um, but its articulation, of this film, is fascinating, right? It's, like, the avatar of the cow and Lord. Oh, I forget his name. He was so... It, Toby Jones is fucking amazing as an actor. Yeah, he's great. Chief Chief Factor, which I love, mm. by the way. Um, yeah, and it's, like, the, the way it sort of engages... Um, the capitalist relationships on the frontier is is very cool because you don't see that very often. I think there's a oftentimes a way uh, a mode to um, erase or reinterpret uh, western like westward history and especially indigenous history is now being built on like a lot of it being built on capitalist relationships. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for better or for worse. And I love the way this film sort of sort of understands that. Like the research done within it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. i i think that kind of the thesis of the film is contained in in like some of the lines like at one point when they're bringing the cow in somebody remarks like uh if god wanted cows on this land he would have put them there himself and then someone else replies like yeah or like the white man shouldn't also be here right so it's it's uh understanding of like the fact that the westward expansion this this call to this colonial effort right Inti- uh, intimately tied with capitalism but also with this like understanding of like racial hierarchy uh, built into that which is why we have you know legacies of um this like racialized capitalism that we live under that like disproportionately affects um black and indigenous uh people on in this particular context in north america
0: and you know like it's so many things that are considered, you know, staple foods of Europe are actually brought over from, you know, South America or vice versa. Right. Like think tomatoes. about, yeah, tomatoes, potatoes, um, both of those. And think about like the inverse as well. Right. Like think about this, like historical relationship, like, um, Apache and Comanche people have had with horses, for example, mm-hmm. right. Horses are not native to, to, uh, the Americas, uh, in the slightest. Um, and stuff like that where it's just like you know this this intense intertwining of like capitalist and imperial relationships to the point where it becomes like an essential part of of society and of being of which like this cow is definitely like indicative of it's it's not meant to be there but it eventually becomes like a fixture of the place right there's going to be many yeah. more many more moo cows um <laughs> many more cows <laughs> um you Many know Moorish
1: cows right yeah. from from <clears throat> africa over to the iberian peninsula
0: yeah once once they take stock of the situation <laughs> once they take stock of the situation they will bring more cows over um and stuff like Dude, that right <laughs> yeah fucking awful um i should be fucking put i should be dumped in the Hague. uh but yeah like i'm gonna do you,
1: what's that thing called from uh no country for old men where they send <laughs> the cows to death
0: oh um it's like a compressed air gun it's like it's a bolt it's like a bolt gun I think is what it's called yeah Yeah, just get fucking bolted in the head you know Uh, someone (laughs) flips a coin instead of answering his question you make a dumb cow pun um yeah oh you're you're Anton Chigurh I'm having deja vu uh yeah um but yeah like I don't know um that part is fascinating i do love like the nature of the cow you know you talked about this um but like it's almost got like an ethereal like very godly like it was a very hindu take on the cow
1: yeah very mythic very like uh sort of like a rare and beautiful creature i saw one reviewer call it like it's kind of shot like a unicorn right and she's also got like she's kind of imbued with this like um maternal love figure because you don't actually you see a little bit of women in this um movie, but not like obviously the central um kind of interactions are between men. And uh this this cow kind of like stands in for mothers and like mother's milk and like uh symbols of home and nurturing. And um yeah, I thought that the I can't remember if I mentioned this off pod before we were recording or or at the beginning of the episode, but in specifically, I was very moved, if you will. Got it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got it. That was good. That was, you know, that was, that was I, I got to get in on yeah. the
1: action sometimes. Yeah. But um, uh, I was very moved by the scenes in which, uh, you know, Cookie was milking the cow and saying, you know, like kind of personifying this cow and saying, like, it's terrible because she was brought over and she had a calf and also a bull that was going to br- be brought over as well, but they both died in transit. And um, he said he says to her, like, terrible thing that your, like, husband and child died along the way. Absolutely awful. And then you also know he's an orphan. And you know what I mean? It was very emotional, very, like, connected in. So I, I really liked the mythology of, of this cow that was, that was brought uh, together in this film.
0: Yeah, and, like, the scene where the cow is coming to like on the raft which is on the poster um which evan mentioned is a fantastic poster is actually like such an amazing scene because people are like you know just staring at the cow it's like bathed in golden light like all Mm -hmm. the stuff with the cow specifically is really neat and then you know you have the the asian character you know um and his like you know his sort. Yeah, King Lou, um, and his relationship to to the cow too is like two people who are outsiders. Um, you know, who sort of become, uh, you know, part of the like fabric of the frontier or whatever is intriguing, right? Um, and yeah, I guess like you know that that scene where they were looking at the cow and they're like, "What is that?" And he turns to him and says, "I've never seen her before." Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm killing my brain right now, slowly uh, but surely. <laughs> Um. yeah but yeah like you know this this idea of like racialization and you know transplantation as well Um, I like I also really like how the the rich people like the chief factor again the coolest name for a villain Um, like how he seemed like the least natural part of the landscape uh, oh, right. in every scene he was in it wasn't just like he was big and loud and like his costume design was good just the way like Toby Jones car- like carries that character like he's like a tumor in every scene i mean that in a good way
1: yeah absolutely and i thought that one of the lines that king lou says when um cookie is being like we have to be careful because it's basically like a really slow moving like heist movie right like they're always just going back for one more job and then eventually that kind of undoes them uh and they push it too far um but i thought that line that king lou has where uh you know cookie's asking um you know do you think like he, he will know or whatever? Like, don't you think they'll figure out where the milk for the biscuits coming from? And King Lou says, some people can't imagine being stolen from. And I thought that was such like an interesting um, take on like how in this context, this guy is like a God, right? Like most people are living inside of like little ramshackle shacks that they've put together with like sticks and moss Um, And he is living in a, in a house, like a timber house that with windows and servants and, you know, he's like the, the embodiment of this like, you know, British capital kind of thing. And um, this idea that he's not able to even conceive of someone taking that from him because he's so remote and he's so removed from the experience of everyone else
0: that he can't even imagine them like touching his wealth. Well, it's like, it's like the Madoff thing, right? Where like Mm -hmm. no one can imagine investing that much money in a guy who says he's legit and like having it disappear. It's, uh, and like, I know when, when I've worked retail, uh, before it's, it's always like middle management at the store who's concerned with shrink, right? Shrink being the corporate retail term for stolen goods and or services. Um, but like, do you think Jeff Bezos gives a shit how many Amazon employees are like pocketing tchotchkes uh, <laughs> off the like rack or whatever? Of course, he doesn't give a fuck. It's um, because like, it's so meaningless to him, right? Like, it's it's a completely irrelevant idea. Um, and I that's evolved so much since like the days of like the East India Company, which like predates this film, where like everything was transactional, everything was, uh, a despite the size of the east india company everything was based in like this very deep idea of loss and gain right because it was territorial whereas now it's accumulative um accumulative uh because yeah like now it's 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 like who cares do you lose you know 10 cents on the dollar it's not like the government's taxing me 20 right um which is yeah it's it sucks capitalism is absolute dog shit um <laughs> it's, it's always it's always the people who make who make four hundred to six hundred thousand dollars, like people who are like definitely upper middle class but not, you know, wealthy, quote unquote. Um, like people who are rich who are the most concerned with like people stealing from them, right? Like gated communities, double checking your taxes, attending protests against, I don't know, free trade or some bullshit. Like which not that free trade is good, but you get what I mean.
1: Well, because the people who are at the very top, like, they are embedded in power so they don't have to worry about the whims of power because they are power so somebody who's kind of in that like pmc class like that's the reason why they're there is because they're like the managers of the rest of the workers they are still subject to the oversight of the true ruling class
2: that's an interesting point um uh, yeah <laughs> uh pro theft uh from uh, <laughs> the wealthy um one kind of like element of this that like you know there was there was really I don't know what they were trying to say with this um, was kind of like the introduction of like indigeneity and like this kind Mm. of like frontier um, like relationship so like yeah the cow in itself obviously is a very interesting site of like redistribution and conflict of course because it is there's one um and like of course it's rare and it brings this like joyous experience to the people who get to like eat dairy products unlike myself um (laughs) unfortunately as you know from the repeated having to run to the washroom during this recording
0: um, i
1: texted our group chat and said all this boy do is piss
2: (laughs) you know what There ain't that much piss. Constantly
0: shitting out your doo-doo ass. Pretty much. Day after day, yeah. Bent over the toilet, yeah.
2: No no matter how many milk pills you take, you you can't. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I I really, I thought that was interesting. And, like, you know, it's both, like, this, like, dangerous activity that brings a lot of, like, joy to everybody uh, in the camp. But, like, it's interesting because, like, it also represents this, like, uh like these like conflicting expressions of masculinity um wherein like you know oh it's this like dangerous activity that men need to take on like theft but then it's also for this like almost like feminine coded activity of like cooking and like there's that comment where like this guy who like i think ultimately becomes one of the people who's hunting both of them is just like oh we don't have time for that we have to work right and it's like they're selling baked goods right so it's like you know obviously like that that kind of lens is interesting to it um but yeah so so i I thought it was weird how this movie like introduces like yeah indigenous characters um like clearly establishes in like lines of dialogue that like you know we're going to be talking about colonialism in this movie um because there's a line Mm -hmm. of like oh you know cows this what land wasn't made for cows and it's like wasn't made for white people either ha ha ha! Mm -hmm. it's like oh there's a point there um and like uh there's like a couple interact there's like two major interactions with indigenous people there's one at like the wealthy guy's house where there's this like local chief i guess i don't think he gets a name um where he's just talking about how like uh white people waste the best part of the beaver they should be eating the tail and it's like okay sure i don't i don't know what we're trying to say from this right and like of course there were like amicable relationships between like settlers and indigenous people and like part- I mean Canada is the context I know more about but like at least in Canada like relations had like a very negative turn after the war of 1812 uh, because like certain indigenous groups that like the British had allied themselves with uh, were no longer seen as like valuable military partners or economic partners um, so you know, that accelerated um, kind of, like, the, the cultural genocide and actual genocide. Um, but in the United States, that w- it was different, right? Because, like, during the period of, like, treaty making, at the very least, um, like, th- that wasn't exactly happening. Like, there was warfare in the United States, right? And, like, um, at least on the plains, like, indigenous people called the Americans, like, the long knives, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. they, they were butchers. Um, so... I think this this movie's interesting because like it codes kind of like the relationships between settlers and indigenous people as transactional. Um so like there's this moment where one of the guys needs to give like the buttons on his coat to this other guy so he can have his canoe. Um but uh yeah, to kind of like tell this story about like theft and redistribution in like a colonial context without kind of like Point like I don't if it, it felt like there was a there was a missing link there with like okay like you're having these indigenous characters here you're like clearly cognizant of like what's happening but like what's the movie saying about it like that was a bit gray to me and I, I don't want to go like every movie needs to make a statement about colonialism but uh I I thought it didn't say anything of interest in that regard or like yeah I don't know it, it just kind of <laughs> left me like eh, you know shrugging my shoulders
0: i mean i was saying a bit before like i i think it understands like it's it's research of like indigenous trade relationships is meticulous um like i you can't really force uh you know indigenous society into a, like a secular uh, lens of like capitalism or socialism or whatever like so many uh idiots i uh, do day after day um and stuff like that but there was an extremely um, sort of, there was an idea of like permaculture transactionalism, right? Like there was repeated cycles of movement and, um, you know, permanent trade routes that you would go through specifically to, um, you know, you know that on, on this time of year, roughly, you're going to be trading with someone else for these goods, right? Based Uh on a combination of like geographic factors and migratory factors, Um, specifically like East coast uh, indigeneity. I don't know much about like, you know, frontier America and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, the way that those things are then forced into a, a lens of like, you know, consumptive accelerating capital, right. Um, where everything needs to be bought and sold. It's not just a a question of like, you know, mutual relationships based on, you know, trade associations and stuff like that, but the film does present our, I think, pretty engaging. Um, it is, like, very demonstrative of the way that those relationships were sort of hijacked. And also, like, why, you know, a lot of early settler relationships, or especially late ones, when the frontier moved west and there was a lot more of a, you know, less so uh, an immediate strive to do genocide, right? Because <laughs> uh, every example of genocide is preceded by years of pretending not to do it and stuff like that, um, or just plain out exploitation, um, like the ways that that you know those sorts of like historical and cultural and spiritual relationships are then like pushed into this like very British American like you know lens of like we're gonna take everything and you know we're gonna turn it into like a, an enterprise, right? Entrepreneurship rather than uh, you know mutual mutual trade and mutual support, mutual like uh, mutually beneficial uh, economic agreements.
2: One last point I'd like to uh, bring up. I was confused by um, one of the moments in the film near the end. So, um, Cookie, I think is his name. He hits his head on a rock, and then he wakes up in like this like indigenous family's cabin, and I don't think he can communicate with them at all. And then there's just like this older guy who's like doing some kind of a dance outside, and we don't understand <laughs> why he's being like treated, and then like he just leaves, so I I don't know, that that moment also kind of struck me as, like, I don't want to say exploitative, but it's certainly weird, like, I think the dance was being played mm-hmm. off as, like, maybe a joke, um, and, like, I don't know if this is a, like, it kind of highlights the differing perspectives of both of these characters because one of them can speak an indigenous language and, like, barter with someone, and the other one is just, like, doesn't belong in, like, you know air quotes um so well,
1: people often do think you know that king lu is indigenous right so he's also got that kind of more of a, a connection in terms of perception
2: right Who who's indigenous
1: no king lu is not indigenous but people will be like oh you speak speaking english good for an indian he's like not indian chinese right
2: oh okay yeah, yeah. so yeah I, I don't know that moment felt weird to me like it felt tropey almost like Uh, you know, like the wise indigenous people will nurse you back to health using their traditional methods uh, and everything for seemingly nothing. We don't see them recover him. They have no desires. Uh, Then he leaves them. So it's just like, okay, nice to see you. Bye. Um, And and their impact on the story means nothing. Right. Because he dies later. So um, it it was, it was like weird. It was a strange moment for a movie that seems very literate uh, about like these issues in this time period, to just go like, and here are the very wise indigenous people who know the land better than anyone, and they will come to this white man's aid. Uh, why we don't know. Their reasons are strange to us, and then they <laughs> depart in a puff of smoke to go speak to the creator. Right. So it, it feels like that. Um, so it was weird. Like I for yeah for as thoughtful a film as this, I was like, this is what we're doing. Okay, whatever. I yeah. did like I did like one moment. Um uh when they were at the rich guy's house and then there was like uh like there was the indigenous woman and then there was a translator. I don't know what kind of person she was, but they were just like sitting on a couch and like admiring each other's clothes and that seemed nice. So that was a moment I liked cuz with people being friends, uh generally if people are being friends in a movie, I will give it a thumbs up.
1: Well, You're saying that that might be uh, a a weird thing to see in such a sensitive movie, but have you considered that this cow is actually distributing soy milk and demasculizing the uh, Western genre? Because you know who does think that? Our friend, Armand White. Turning
0: the bulls into calves. (laughs) I mean, he's back. What a movie. Is that
2: Armand White's music I hear? armand,
1: armand white milk so we're gonna read some uh some excerpts from this amazingly titled review from our boy armand first cow is an anti-masculine anti-western uh subtitle kelly reichardt's misandry wins plaudits from history bashers
0: <laughs> history bashers is such like i does armand white think stagecoach is a documentary Stagecoach was a
2: documentary. Tombstone was a documentary.
0: Yeah, you know, like true true grit. I can't believe like I can just picture fucking the Cohen brothers in the old west with those cameras you have to like spin with your arm. Um you know, like like filming it like what yeah, history bashing is a really interesting way to to put this.
1: Well, as we all know, every single movie is a documentary. So when indie filmmaker Kelly Reichardt's latest film, First Cow, opened just before the COVID lockdown, she drew a line in the sand, separating her queer feminist agenda from Hollywood convention.
0: Love having having an agenda. Wait, fuck. Is she also queer? Because that just makes my hatred of her even worse. Um... (laughs) Wait,
2: what?
1: He's saying saying the movie is queer. Oh, okay.
0: Um, Oh, thank goodness.
1: Yeah. First Cow became the most critically acclaimed film of 2020, and now it's back via streaming services. Rayhardt's rejection of gender tradition becomes part of the recently escalating chaos. It's a renewed threat.
2: What? <laughs> Men yeah. starting a small business, being friends, and uh, learning a trade. I like how it's like, con-
1: t- connected to you know what's going on in the world, like the the um, uh, the protests, COVID. The yeah. economic crisis—it all goes back to uh, you know gender tradition.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Richard, I mean, he's not wrong. He's—he's <laughs> he's not like patriarchy is an outcome of of original hierarchy. But I mean, again, it's it's Armand White where he always has the correct analysis, just in the worst possible way. You know, I think
1: I think that he's saying that uh, the fact that you know in. in Extremely Armand White voice. All these boys are girls and girls are boys. Nobody knows who's who anymore. Yeah. They, them's. what's that? Um, You know, he's saying that that's contributing to the chaos of the current moment. Like, we need to bring back the, like, masculinist order. Real Jordan Peterson energy here.
2: Rest in peace,
0: Dr. We Jordan love Peterson. To see it.
1: <laughs> so, Reichardt's anti-Western, set in the Pacific Northwest of the 1820s, counters the historical mythology of strong white male founders. Through two sensitive, read queer, cisgender males, Cookie and King Liu, who partner covertly, using their skills at cooking and survival, they sell baked goods to the treacherous gold rush pioneers—an early venture in entrepreneurship. I love this line—an early venture in entrepreneurship and minority group audacity that cost them their lives.
0: This is such a good description of the movie: a a multiracial couple partner to open a bakery in a small town um what in in order to get their
2: kamala bucks
0: yeah what a great yeah in order to win their fucking hell grant um yeah um what a great way to describe this movie like legitimately if i wanted to make someone suffer through this that's exactly how i would fucking describe it to them
1: so he goes on this reset of the past accords with obama's you didn't build that allegation
0: get over
2: it (laughs) trump's president
0: <laughs> obama's basically dead <laughs> there is literally a cheeto in the white house
1: <laughs> Fuck. jesus Reichart posits that american capitalism is based on treacherous murderous competition
0: yes yes it is capitalism <laughs> is based on treacherous <laughs> murderous competition. is literally a, a eugenic idea <laughs> like capitalism is inherently like based on survival of the quote-unquote fittest or whatever right like
2: stole an entire fucking you- country
0: People who are capitalists, like who are earnest capitalists, not like bootstrappers, you know, who own boats or whatever, but like actual capitalists understand that capitalism is a murderous enterprise. It's just a murderous enterprise. They fucking won. Right.
1: Okay. He goes on. She reveals her bias by patronizing Cookie and Ling uh, King Liu as victims. She dooms her enterprising mixed race couple, thereby blaming the melting pot instead of praising it. The dealer steals milk from the neighbor's cow, blah blah blah. Yet she disregards the in place system of ownership that renders her thieving couple as plunderers a slip up in her nascent communist narrative. What
2: the, who cares?
0: What <laughs> you the can fuck? you can easily, easily realize in like ten seconds that you know, if you really wanted to attribute this film or like connect this film to our modern day, it's like primary thesis is that nature should not be owned. <laughs> that like mm-hmm. there are natural commons that everyone should share in and in fact the commodification urbanization and expansion like expansory nature of like human society creates i don't know natural pandemics that can't be controlled and that like shut down like the very mechanisms that we've created to control them like it's not a communist narrative it's like an understanding that you can't fight god (laughs) i mean like i don't want to sound like theistic but it's yeah, I don't know. It's I, I. It's weird to call out Armand White's, like, dumbness. But, again, he's half right. He's always just half right.
1: I think that we might, you know, as we well know, uh, horseshoe theory is real. And I think we're about to find an avenue of agreement with uh, Mr. White. Okay, let's see it. It's important that Reichardt endorse a press group representatives Cookie and Ling- King Liu in order to oppose the White Mile the. Par- the white male pioneer legend she despises. I just don't understand macho men. I don't get it, Reikard told Mel Magazine. It is beyond my comprehension. Like, once upon a time in Hollywood, the idea of shirtless men on top of the roof, the white man who beats up Bruce Lee, stays the damsel in distress, and lights fire to the scummy hippies. I'm just like, really? People love it, but I don't understand, especially in the climate we live in, how the macho man thing just keeps being interesting to anyone.
2: Okay, all right, so... <laughs> The, the Cliff Booth disrespect in the chat that's happening right now? Take it off. Mod, ban, ban that man. Ban this director. Unbelievable.
1: Did you, know you can, did you know you can only watch one type of movie and only like one type of thing? And if you yes. like one movie, it means you hate all the rest of them.
2: Normalize guys being hot. Like Brad Pitt's sexy in the movie. Eddie, and like, you know, the... One of the more interesting aspects of, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, like, you know, controversial depiction of Bruce Lee. You can take from it whatever you want. Like, maybe he was a giant showboat, but he was also very talented. So, like, I don't know. It's a movie. You know, It's not real life. You know? Like, it's fine. <laughs> you can leave the theater. You can walk away. You can get in your car in the parking lot and drive away. But we haven't. We're stuck in the Cineplex parking lot with... Well,
0: Armond. we're stuck at home watching First Cow. Yeah. Um...
1: All right, this is the last, uh, last little section I'm going to give you. Critics who tout Reichard's relevance put politics before art, art, <laughs> not arts, art, only one. And she rewards them with cynicism. History isn't here yet; it's coming. King Lou says, "Maybe this time we can be ready for it. We can take it on our own terms." That's Reichard's fundamentally transform America line in the sand, a disdainfully, re- a disdainful revision of traditional masculinity and America's past. First cow never achieves McCabe and Mrs. Miller's tragic status. Reichardt's rewrite of American history is Bathos.
0: I wish you would have used more cow that Mark mean No, is, I think...
1: What does Bathos let's mean?
0: Google, let's Google Bathos <laughs>
1: right
2: now. It's probably now. some Greek um, shit that Armand's like, hmm, they'll never I get it in
1: context, this. but I don't know what it means.
0: An effect of anti-climax created by an unintentional lapse in mood from the sublime to the trivial or ridiculous... Um, a word that will quickly enter my lexicon um
2: yeah every listeners s- movie now. stay yeah. tuned things you know we're moving beyond generative crossed off <laughs> bathos
0: check mark um you know what yeah instead of Project saying that's generative emba-
1: embrace bathos uh
0: re- yeah, like we gotta start instead of saying that's whack, that's bathos um <laughs> is <What's> bathos? <laughs> I, don't I, bathos, I don't know I don't know you. <laughs> yeah i can't wait to to create new novelty twitter account wuss bathos um for those uh wuss heads in the chat i just oh.
1: made that joke but
0: okay oh is that what you're doing okay i thought you were saying okay my bad i thought you're i thought you were replacing it with something wow. Never Hate,
1: hates women directors and hates female comedians like myself
0: what yep. is uh yep.
2: what's the director of <laughs> first cow's stance yeah. on if uh bashir al-assad should be assassinated Uh, (laughs) this
0: film is an asadist parable um are we fascist
2: collaborators or anti-fascist by not liking first cow i don't i don't know
0: please help what's happening? please um i his comparisons to mccabe and mrs miller are also really interesting because he's also fundamentally misunderstanding the point of that movie robert altman was like a very emotional and like fairly left-wing filmmaker who you know if you take his films uh, particularly stuff like the player and mccabe and Miss, uh, mrs miller on face value you're completely misunderstanding the point of those movies which are about like the excesses of wealth and like the downfall of um of like our ability to like create anything meaningful like nashville is a really good example of this um
2: i'm imagining armand white watching 12 angry men and going like yes the system works again i i love his mind like we need it i mean he's giving us so much content for free and uh, i really respect it
0: imagine this review but it's about dog day afternoon um you know like dog day afternoon represents like you know the communist drive to do crimes and get sex changes for their for their buds like (laughs) um which by the way fucking weird to see that in a movie from the 70s i will say that like robbing a bank to give your partner top to get your partner money for top surgery is such a great hook. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a great hook for a film made in like 71
1: is that a real story too
0: yeah it is uh, it was mm-hmm. probably made later than that actually um way later than 71 i am way off it's probably it's cool.
2: probably like a combination of like <laughs> you know the home the homophobia and transphobia in like hollywood and like i don't know like who who are the gatekeepers in these studio systems, and what are the codes they have to abide by? Every once in a while, you get a dog day afternoon, every once in a while, you get a first cow, a movie about one man who tempted fate and had sex with a cow.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, right, let's fellas. let's move Any into our th-
1: final uh, thoughts on first cow.
0: I I didn't love it. I thought it was really boring. I I, I would give it a pass. Uh, like reading about it is more interesting than watching it.
1: I agree. I would agree with that um i had overall positive feelings i didn't actually enjoy watching it that much but i'm glad i did and i'm glad i could talk about it with my uh my favorite voice
2: uh yeah smashing or passing this movie uh i'd say smash uh i thought it was like you know it's it's well constructed you know it has some interesting thematic resonance so i feel like as an intellectual project it's fine to watch but I don't know. Uh, yeah. McDonald's te-
1: McDonald test, yay or nay?
2: Ooh. Um. I guess they do confront toxic masculinity. There is some processing of trauma, and there is chosen family. So, I would say. Uh, I'd say yeah. I think this passes the McDonald test. <laughs> well done, first cow. You can pick up your. <laughs> you can pick up your prize on the way out of the theater. Thank you so much you for participating. your
0: Kamala, your, Kamala your Kamala bucks. bucks. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, why are we still making Kamala Bucks jokes in, in the year of our Lord, July 2020? Who knows? Um, not,
1: so I'm recusing myself
0: from that bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can move into our accommodations this week. Does anyone have a uh, hair-raising, shocking accommodation? I
1: actually, actually kind of do.
0: Ooh. <laughs> nice.
1: So I've been, I talked about this a little bit on our Primo episode, but I've been in a kind of uh, a mood in which I would describe as fucked up so a lot of things are changing in my life right now very rapidly and kind of a little bit out of my control nothing bad but just a, a little bit destabilized so i wanted to take a uh, wander into the uh, dark side of cinema so i've been in very into um like fucked up erotic thrillers right now and um some pasolini so i watched uh just two very quick recommodations, two uh pretty well-known films i did watch Salo, are you going to like watching it? No. Is it going to like stay with you forever? Yes. Um, and also they have this great scene. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but one of the, the very iconic final scenes, the Ring of Blood, um, it features uh, music by Karl Orff. Um, and uh, it's, it's right from the Carmina Burana, which is a very popular piece of music. But there's actually quite a rigorous debate on whether or not um, Karl Orff was a Nazi collaborator. And I thought that it was particularly interesting because um, I was watching it and the song started playing and I started humming along and I was like, how the fuck do I know this song? And um, yeah, it, it, I don't know if that was on purpose because the movie does deal with fascism um, and in, in Italy in the 40s. So I don't know if that was on purpose, but I thought it was interesting. And also I'm going to recommend uh, a movie about, I, I, I found it a heartwarming movie about perverts who find each other, David Cronenberg's Crash. Uh, and you know what? There's someone out there for everyone. That's what I concluded from yes. that. Also kind of vibes movie, but vibes in a very a, a distinctly d- darker kind of
0: vibes. And sometimes that person is sitting in the wreckage of a Ford Mustang on the side of Highway 1.
1: James Spader, please DM.
0: Uh, <clears throat> yeah, my recommendation, I'm going to break character and recommend a comic book for once. Wow. Um, but this is one for uh, for grownups, not little boys. Um, uh, I don't I'm know. <laughs> I'm going to recommend um, Ellie Valley's. These are, uh, these
1: are these are comic books for big boys.
0: Yeah, these are these are comic books. These
1: are books chapter for- books with no <laughs> pictures in the motherfucker. These are yeah,
0: these are. <laughs> these are comic books for people who can take the Pampers challenge and pull them up themselves. Um, these are uh, these yeah. are
2: comics about dark, edgy guys on the edge of society with guns who who cuss uh, and are old and say stuff like, you punk, I should shoot you with a gun.
0: Um, sort of. Uh, if the if the you with the gun is the uh, illegitimate state of Israel. Um, I'm going to recommend Ellie Valley's um, sort of biography and reflections on being Jewish, <laughs> Diaspora Boy.
2: <laughs> uh, what a transition! That's I want someone to clip that. That's that's funny. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, Diaspora Boy, which is which is sort of his his uh, a collection of his like political satire. And like filled with like notes and stories of growing up and like what it means to grow up as a as a Jew in the diaspora and stuff like that. Um, I love Ellie Valley, uh, because like I can literally feel his depression and anxiety soak off the page. Um, like it's it's this very very specifically. Many say like,
1: the same about our podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, um, but it's like this very specifically like Jewish Catholic Muslim type of like depressive writing that you you it's not explicitly depressed but you can just feel it um as you read it and stuff like that we need, and like, we
1: need a, a jewish person on the pod to complete the trifecta
0: yeah we absolutely <laughs> Evan you're going to convert <laughs> we're gonna take you to fucking we're gonna take you to the fucking temple I'm um gonna, and then,
1: you took me to synagogue school
2: sorry mom yeah <laughs> we need we also need a Zoroastrian on the podcast
0: um yeah no uh what's the um what was that tribe that like forced uh people to convert to judaism what year was that does anyone know no
2: idea but no, i am I have gonna no idea. i'm gonna move to the hutterite colony um so <laughs> we'll have one hutterite <laughs> on the podcast what's up you guys are awesome
0: okay cut very, very yeah. there <laughs> um but yeah like all things considered um it's uh it's a fantastic book i it's i thought it would be easy it's like 100 pages i got it to. by the way it's the Hasmonean kingdom we're gonna do the. we're gonna do hasmonian hours to you evan and force you to convert to judaism um but well, like uh <laughs> do you fucking i love that the the people who were forced to convert were called the uh idumeans but all i can hear is like what do you mean Like <laughs> the, the wd do yeah um what you mean song. I mean, Moses. Uh, but yeah. Um, oh my God. <laughs> highly, highly recommend. I can't make it through more than like five pages in a day because it is like so fucking dense, but like it's so worthwhile. Um, and it's beautiful. Like he's an incredible artist. That's sweet. What about you, Evan?
2: I have two quick recomradations. Uh, I've been on a little bit of a, a Hannibal kick. Um, I half watched Silence of the Lambs uh, yesterday. A perfect movie. Uh you kind of forget how good it is, but I love revisiting it. Um my first actual recomradation is the nineteen eighty six Michael Mann film Manhunter, um, starring William Peterson. Um so this is an adaptation of Red Dragon. Um it's all about uh Will Graham hunting uh, a uh, a serial killer known as the Tooth Fairy, and he needs the help of one Doctor Hannibal Lecter. Um who's played by the fantastic Brian Cox. He's not in the movie for very long, but it's a really cool uh, kind of like taking on of that character. Obviously it's much different from many of the other interpretations. I don't think I like Manhunter as much as I like the last arc of the third season of Hannibal, which covers like the same material, Um, but it's great. This I think Manhunter is also a vibes movie. Um, It is kind of that Michael Mann thing of like, you don't need to care about the plot. (laughs) Like it's just kind of, cool guys doing things
0: mm-hmm.
2: um but yeah a really terrific film um and my 2nd recommendation of the week is also a picture book uh one designed for ch- comic books are designed for children uh but uh this is the 2013 <laughs> va-
0: anti-racist baby
2: <laughs> oh no okay so in the chat a few days ago i shared anti-racist baby uh which i think is a children's book made by some guy who wrote like a uh, an anti-racism book you can buy it like chapters it's probably a heather's oh, pick God. one of those and uh <laughs> it's like a baby going like you need to point out oppressive systems rather than people and it's like
0: babies don't know about babies policies.
2: don't yeah that's not <laughs> there's no anti-racist baby um my how,
0: baby's first word was was <laughs> intersectional justice <laughs> how, can,
2: how can a baby conceive race like i don't know so
0: it's it's not my job to educate you please change me <laughs>
2: So, yeah. Okay, my second recommendation for the week uh, is the magnificent 2013. I mean, vi- is our anti-racist baby? I am. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say something that, about that getting in trouble. So uh, it would, it wasn't racist. Uh, so
1: yeah. The, uh, I, I swear to God.
2: Don't. No. The walls are just closing in. My window's getting smaller and smaller until the connection gets lost. So. In 2013, Valiant Comics made a perfect comic book event, and it was called Harbinger Wars. Uh, And I read it, and it's fucking perfect. Um, So Valiant uh, is a a company that was around for a bit in the 90s, went bankrupt. Uh, And then in 2012, people brought it back, and it was actually fucking great. Um, So basically, this was a movie we were going to get in a few years from Sony, because Bloodshot, baby, he's one of the main characters. Um, But unfortunately, the other side of that is Harbinger, which is like this really cool kind of take on x-men where it's like these kids are very powerful psychics but they're all controlled by like this evil capitalist toyo harada who's like you think he's like this professor x type character where he's like oh, i want to take in the world's youth and train them but he is raising a shadow army to take over the world um and like harbinger wars is this is really cool like it's the war between these two corporations with like these like innocents trapped in the middle um people fucking die there are actual consequences to this comic book event it gets pretty dark uh but it's a really fantastic read so if you want something that isn't like your boilerplate marvel or dc kind of stuff then harbinger wars is is perfect and you gotta read it
0: and if you're too anti-semitic to read uh diaspora boy um that's (laughs) those are your three qualifiers all
2: of our anti-semitic listeners please stop listening (laughs) but (laughs) pay attention to the recombinations
0: Oh, my God. Defund Semites. Um, So, uh, yeah. uh, I don't mean that, by the way. (laughs) It was was another hot take that we can explore in later episodes. Oh, my God.
1: Okay. Where can people find the fucking show? (laughs) Not that anybody wants to now.
0: (laughs) Uh, People can find the show wherever you find your podcasts. uh, If you want to, of course. Um, And uh, once you've done, you you've done, you're done finding the show. um, You can then go to uh be kino lefter twitter account at kino lefter or the show notes of this episode and go to a kino lefter discord um where uh you know you can hop in the chat and hang out with your favorite uh boys and and there are women in the chat shockingly <laughs> enough um <laughs> yeah not you but uh they they do exist um no it's a it's a wonderful place big community they do There's, exist
1: despite a yeah. hatred of them
0: yeah exactly uh,
1: fuck out
0: of here <laughs> that's what i tell megan every day <laughs> um uh but yeah no it's great there's a movie night every saturday i was I just think-
1: thinking about how much uh megan would beat your ass if you
0: her. yeah she she would she would punch me in the face but the movie <laughs> okay this is gonna be really terrible given the context i'm not, I'm not gonna make any dv said.
2: jokes don't worry I'm not, um the uh can't joke about the
0: that. the film they're doing this saturday is hitler <laughs> It's it's a Pakistani film from the 1980s where Hitler bombs nukes Japan and then disappears to pocket Paci- to like a tiny village in like the Pakistani heartland and um it sounds
1: interesting.
0: Marries like a, a young girl there while doing anti-Semitism. Apparently, it's batshit. <sighs> um, so I mean, it's not an indicator of the Discord's very good politics. It's an indicator of their uh you know wanting to watch a, a good swath of world cinema. Do we uh, so fuck yeah, up in. somewhere
2: along the way?
0: Do we make mistakes? <laughs> we... Oh, come on, Evan. That sounds insane. Like a brown dude playing Hitler with like a big mustache. Like a, a brown, like South Asian man pretending to be a Nazi. Uh, uh, you know, I'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what for, happens. Or
1: after we conclude our Zoom call, we will be engaging in a struggle session.
0: As
2: Papa, the- as Papa John both. once said, the day of reckoning is coming.
1: <laughs> so if you could please go over to iTunes.com, log on to that website and uh give us not one, not two, not three, not even four, but five stars. Uh it really does help people find the show and we uh really appreciate reading it, especially the person who said they wanted more content for the girls and the gays. We got a little something in the works for you. And if you had a problem with this episode, I don't know why you would. But if you did have a problem with this episode, maybe a little bit too much on the anti-Semitic side you can direct your complaints
0: to at mcdonald McDonald tweet
2: no you you um, should be directing them to at socialist raptor i'm perfect (laughs) i didn't make any mistakes this episode i'm flawless yet again
0: you know we need we need a sacrificial lamb so to speak you know he (laughs) who is a pure white sacrificial lamb yeah those (laughs) who will die for our sins much like jesus was that's Cannon. i uh um, yeah
2: i feel like a jesus figure doing this podcast right now <laughs> i I'd, I'd agree with that
0: we're, we're we're flying evan to gethsemane right now um
2: <laughs> oh i am i am on the the hill of cavalry so uh itunes user Count Scrofula says best movie podcast out there five stars i've been a listener since episode one and this is the best movie podcast out there viewing movies as political documents and discussing them using great leftist analysis and hilarious riffing thank you riffing sounds too much like yiffing i don't like it that's me editorializing (laughs) (laughs) jesus fuck the hosts are screamingly funny and the analysis and discussion is excellent hugely entertaining every time and i always leave knowing a little more than i did great stuff i think this might be an episode where you know a little bit less once we're done but thank you (laughs) uh for your great feedback um uh there uh there's uh here this one's great um so i have been left no choice but to subscribe to the patreon five stars I really don't care about video games or comic books, so hopefully there's less of that and more of whatever Laura's into in the Primo Lefter episodes. More content for the girls and gays, please. Love the pod. Uh, Never. I think we can all agree <laughs> to that. Uh, unfortunately, my brain, uh, you know, it, it goes it goes where it goes. But, you know, more episodes about Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson being called we- out by Toddy Westbrook.
1: Yep. I was talking to a friend of the show who was on one of our um, musical episodes, uh, who has, has declared that he should be a a mandatory guest on any musical episode in the future, which I think we can make happen. Um, and, uh, we're interested in doing a leftist reading of beauty YouTube. So if that's something that you want to see, uh, subscribe to that Patreon.
2: And if you like what you heard here, (laughs)
1: <laughs> if you're a deranged little pervert if you're a little
2: freak you can go to patreon.com forward slash kino lefter where for three dollars a month incredibly affordable very competitive rate 75 cents might per be, episode might be a might bit too still low be
0: too much yeah no. <laughs>
2: okay uh you can get primo lefter primo lefter is technically our second podcast the premium feed of kino lefter that we deliver every week to you the listener. On that feed, you can get an episode about Gattaca with friend of the show, Dr. Fly. Uh, And this week, we have a fantastic episode. Fantastic, folks. This episode, it is what it is. That episode that we recorded, very good. We did Mask of the Red Death (laughs) uh, with Out of Left Fields Mac. So that ruled. uh, If you like Vincent Price movies, uh, if you like some some hidden gems, uh, that's definitely an episode for you.
0: I, I would just like to point out, uh, some of us are going through a major depression and also haven't slept in two days. But um, so the next episode will be full of extremely refreshing, refreshed, like a cool glass of first cow's milk. You know, just uh, it'll go down easy. All <laughs> right. Go down easy and be very chill. Kino oh. Lefter,
2: okay, Kino lefter now pasteurized.
0: All right, everyone.
2: Yeah.
1: We love you very much. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a truly deranged episode. So it's nice, nice to be back in form. Uh, we love you all, and uh, we'll catch
0: you next time. Bye.
2: Bye. Kino Lefter is part of a loose affiliation of left wing podcasts hosted by the bilingual journalism collective Ricochet.
1: This network includes News You Can Use, Well Reds, Out of Left Field, Radio Free Winnipeg, 49th Parahealth, and more.
0: Support Canadian podcasting, support Canadian media, and support Ricochet at ricochet.media. Great podcast. Check them out.